All right, folks, you know what time it is. It's time for an ad for Overcast. Overcast is an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls. Just a great podcast app for everyone. As always, you can get it for free on the App Store. Hey, hey. Hey. It's Ergo. I guarantee it is. I'm Kiss. I am Damon. And what we do here is reshape the culture of our city and world for the more liberatory and creative. How are you, Dame? I'm, I'm here. I'm back up in this thing. You know, we, we're doing it. I'm very excited to be talking to not only a phenomenal organizer and contributor, but somewhat of a, somewhat of a homie, someone, someone from the home team. Absolutely. We have Dixon Romeo on the show this week. Dixon is the campaign director for United Working Families. He's one of the co-founders of Not Me, We, and has been super involved in the fight for housing protections around the construction of the Obama Center. For those movement involved or interested, this is an organizer's organizer and really displayed an acumen for how to get locally involved, not only in housing work, but in our local school councils and really showed how we need to have a collective approach to building power and engaging systems that touch our communities. Yeah, I think we both kind of came out of it like, damn, that's really like how an organizer thinks. (laughs) Not just us like little podcasting people over here. Like he's like talking understanding door knocking as a strategy for power building in different ways. Like the, the guy knows this stuff. He's doing great work. We've known each other, you know, since going back all the way back to college. Uh, it's a great way to learn about one, the work happening here, but also just like some of the mentalities of doing this yeah. kind of grassroots political work. It was really cool and valuable to see the way in which his perspective was always shift and responding to in a relationship to the multitude of perspectives that he's gathering and garnering from engaging in relationship with community in an intimate way. If you want to get plugged in with Not Me We, you can check him out on Instagram at Not Me We underscore. Dixon is at Dixon Romeo. We'll put all that in the show notes and support the work that they're doing uh, in South Shore to protect the ability for people to live. All right, let's get to it. We are here with the amazing activist, organizer, co-builder of the CBA campaign, part of the We Not We Me. Fuck. <laughs> not me, we. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not us. No. It's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not we. Me. Nah, not me, we. This tip. We got the homie in the building, Dixon Romeo. Bra, yeah. Bra, 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 bra. yeah. All right. Dixon, we have a little tradition when we come here, a two-part question, kind of set the space and check in, and it's surrounded around time. Um, So define time however you will, this this day, this hour, this season, this lifetime. In this time, how is the world treating you, and how are you treating the world? That's dope. Um, How am I treating the world? I'm I'm pouring into it, and I am uh, respecting it and learning from it and how is the world treating me uh i think the same but also man you know, the last couple of days man you know me it so you know the world the world owe me a little something 
So, you know, we've, of, of all the people who are kind of in orbit, there are very few people who I've known as long as I've known you, you know, going back to undergrad times and, you know, damn near it's 10 years now, which is pretty wild. Um, yeah. You know, building out from the CBA work and then we'll go all the way back into the into the archives. Um, so, you know, what is your what is your work? What does your space look like these days? You know, so I do a couple of things, right? So I I'm, I'm, I have a day job, right, where I work at United Working Families. I'm the campaigns director. And with that, we've done like the North Lawndale School Closures Campaign, General Iron, Right to Recovery, City Budget Coalitions. But that's like, you know, one thing. And then I think outside of that is like Not Me, We, which is like the grassroots community organizing that we started two years ago and is now, you know, continuing to kind of grow and do work in South Shore, mostly in some adjacent neighborhoods, but mostly, you know, South Shore. Um, and then we joined the CBA Coalition, which is from like 2015 and really been pushing on getting some housing protections for folks in South Shore. It's been the most fun, scary, time-flying, pressure-filled, no-pressure, easiest thing I've done. Um, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah, like, I know y'all know, but, like, <laughs> man, just in the sense of, like, um, I think a lot of folks that organize, you know, they don't, not, not everyone starts a group. You, not everyone has to start a group, right? Like, part of being mm-hmm. an organizer is you got to, commit and join an organization you know what i'm saying but for the folks who do it's like cool when you're doing it but then when you have to like when people look to you for stuff you're like shit i don't know (laughs) (laughs) what you think yeah i'm like right and that's that's usually what people say but it's like man i don't i don't fucking know man (laughs) so is that is that relatable no, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I was saying not only do I get the what you think, I'm saying my response to what what do I think is what do you think <laughs> is usually I throw it right back on folks. Um, I want to get into the origin story of that, though, a, a, a little bit of, you know, what like set up the time or the space or the folks in the room where either the, the name came into into shape or even the idea that we need to build some type of entity or, or have some type of umbrella under which we're connecting? I think it was like a couple things, right? So I think one, like I've been doing the LSC work at Parkside for since 2018, I think. You know, in my opinion, LSC is like a wonderful, again, it's like from the legacy of Harold Washington and so many folks, but it's like the closest you can get to being in a school without being a parent or a teacher. If you're doing it right, which I think we're trying to do it right at Parkside, it's like it's real. I know there's some issues going on with like, and like DSA and some other groups where folks are fighting about like, how do you use electoral LSEs to like, you know, set up like political stuff. And I'm like, bro, my first like three months on LSE was like (laughs) nothing that you could use to build or to, you know, uplift somebody for a political platform. It was like, man, these two teachers, they was fighting yesterday. So we had to move to LSC meeting. I'm like, oh, shit, all right. <laughs> and then and then it's like, you know, dealing with very real stuff like, you know, staff, administrative parents just dealing with anti-blackness in schools. You know what I'm saying? Like people like he always acting up. And, you know, I'm like, dude, like, have we asked what's going on outside the building? You know, if we ask what goes on in lunch, when y'all not paying, you know. But from that, you know, we were doing good stuff. We started like. Basically, we had a principal, who, our principal at the time, he got like kicked out for like something crazy he did in like the South suburbs, like no joke. 
And the first time I met the guy, yeah, I'm loosening up. <laughs> <laughs> I ran for the LSC and I was like, just because the school Parkside is, I live on 60, I grew up on 67, I live on 67 Kruger. Parkside is on 69th and East End. So it's like th- three blocks from my house. I went to Parkside for like 20 minutes. And my mom was like, hell no. Nah. You know what I'm saying? And she was like, get, I'm, she, she drove me to school every day to go to Skinner before it was like multiple Skinners, you know, across the street from Wendy Young. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my mom's super pro-black and stuff, but her big thing was like, which I think most parents fall into. And that's, I think that's how like charters get a lot of our kids is because of like, like, oh, well, the system's messed up. It takes work to fix it, but you don't got time. Your kid growing every day. What are you going to do? So my mom took me to the fucking classical school and I got tested in, which is cool. But like, what about everybody else? And so my thing when I graduated was like, this school's been here my whole life. I want to at least go meet folks, see what's going on. I'm like, y'all got any community reps on LSU? They're like, no. I'm like, all right, I'll run. I was talking to the clerk at the time. And then I came and I finally met the principal. And he was dressed like it was a club. <laughs> not, and I'm not shaming him. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm a big proponent of dress how you want. But like, my man's had a, a vest. He had a vest on, matching vest. The, the jeans was shiny, leather, something. Mm. Spikes on the shoes <laughs> with the... With the fedora, like with the brim and the vest Somebody on. that you might even make fun of wearing that at the club. Yeah, 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 100%. Like, you still doing on. too much in the, in the right set. Man, gee. <laughs> but definitely for a PTA meeting, this is man, out of hand. Like man, <laughs> you know, I ain't going to say his name, but yeah, so I'm I like, I love this detail. Yeah, I'm like, all right, G, like. A, a change has got to come. Yeah, I'm like, I see what's going on. And the, the st- it wasn't even the dress that was the crazy part. It was just his response. He was just like, yeah, you can run for LSC, but ain't nobody finna show up. You know, like that was his thing, which is like, oh, okay, I see what's really going on. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're mm-hmm. not trying to do things. So come to find out, me and him had like one or two meetings. He was cool. And then come to find out, he did something crazy in the South Suburbs and it got kicked out. CPS like removed him. So we had an interim principal and the interim principal sat me down and she was like, if you don't get people on this LSC, they're going to close this school. Like, I see you trying to do stuff. You better go find some folks. And I was like, shit, all right, cool. Like, and I ain't going to say her name either, but she kind of sat me down and was like, look, I can only do this for 100 days. Why would they send me and not try and get y'all to do the thing? Like, what's going on? I'm like, okay. She's putting me on game. And so I went and, like, talked to some teachers, talked to some clerks, went around the neighborhood, got Mr. Norris, you know, who lives by me to be the other community rep. And we got enough folks on our LSC to actually pick our principal. And so while I was doing all this, like one of my friends was like, you know, like that shit's cool what you're doing, but like, if it's just you, what is that? And I was like, oh, okay, right. So like, you're, you're the literal me in the night. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's, 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 that's part of it for sure. And it's like, I think, so there's three parts. So that's part number one. Then I think the second piece was, you know, 2020, I had actually started doing more like electoral work and was like, I constantly was trying to dip my toe into organizing because the electoral stuff just wasn't feeding me in terms of what I wanted to do, but also like what you end up getting out of it. The theory of change piece, right? Um, And there was a building, 7,000 South Shore Drive, and they did this like a visible eviction a group from like san francisco bought the building and they basically told folks like you know they they handed out these like 30-day notices if y'all have been on south shore it's right across the street from the building they got the chinese restaurant on the first floor 
and across the street from the cultural center entrance before you get to those like town halls right there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was very clear to me just from like studying policy and stuff, they're going to kick these folks out, chop the units up, you know, double the profit, get new folks in the building. And I talked to someone who had done organized and they're like, yeah, this is kind of the blueprint, but this is different from that electoral stuff you're doing. Like the conversation is different. How you deal with folks is different. Everything. I'm like, all right, man, you know, I'll try. Like, I'm like, yeah, I, I get that. I've never done it before, but shit, I got to try. We got to do something. And so I like got some folks together and we like call folks in the building. We try to go out there and talk to them. Didn't go really well because we didn't have enough time. It was like six days. So it wasn't a ton of time to really move. I called around to a bunch of folks that I know who either were elected officials, work with elected officials, do political work or community orders. And they're like, yeah, that's just not our turf or we had capacity or like, you know, here's what I think you should do, but I can't really help. So I'm like, cool. Like we need a a presence to deal with that because that's not present. So it was those two things. I think the third piece was CPS had cut the food at this. If y'all remember during the uprise, they cut the food that one day. And I was just talking with my principal and we got folks just bring stuff from the grocery store, you know, to the, to the, to the kids. And Students and kids from the school, they're like really thankful. The LSC members helped out. We, you know, we kind of pulled it off. But the number one thing everyone kept talking about was like evictions. And so I started looking into it. Like this is the number one eviction neighborhood and all this other stuff. I'm like, shit, okay, like we need to do something about this. And so that's kind of what started the work that led to the meetings that turned into Not Me We. And I think the name is really like, you know, I think folks in Stop and like Coco, who are folks I met years ago, do like great work, but then I I hear people who don't who aren't for what we for use their names and talk about them in a way that was like negative, like you know stop and and they're gonna you know and they doing these protests and Coco's doing that and, I, and we we talked about that and like we wanted a name where if you said the name you had to think about <laughs> like the fact that this is not like individuals, this is about a broader shit than yourself, right? And it's like and like that's just real strategy of like. You're really putting somebody in the asshole box if they are anti. I'm I'm against we. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's part of it for sure. And it's like, and, and again, right? Like, we got people in the group that's like, man, this should sound like we got y'all from insecure, which is like true. <laughs> and some adjacency, yeah. yeah, for sure. And it's like that shit too late now. It's like it's the name now, bro. <laughs> but it's like I think it like it works, and I think it's always a reminder for folks and like. We be joking about it, like, no, not me. We they're like, all right, what you about to do? It's like, nah, you know, like, <laughs> what are we about are to do we? about this? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to bounce back a little bit um, to you were talking about that entry point into the LSC work and that it where it came from for you was having seen this school that wasn't the space that you spent most of your time in and this feeling of like, hey, if I'm going to be here, I should be connected to it. Where do you think that feeling came from and what else was in your life at that moment? Like what motivated you basically to walk into that building? Yeah, I think at, at Grinnell, it was very clear to me that like I performed really great at Grinnell towards the end. At the beginning, you know, I'm like, I was doing enough to not get kicked out. You know what I'm saying? Like I was comfortable <laughs> yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, I was really focused on like education and, and just like what that means to folks. Um, into communities. And to me, it just seemed like it was just so obvious and glaring. Like to get to my house, you have to go past the school and go up before you get into the Highlands. Right. And so it's like, and also for folks who don't know, like the Jackson Park Highlands are like from 67th to 
71st. It's like all homes, mm-hmm. you know, mostly at the time it is, it's becoming wider, but it's mostly black folks. And it is, you know, a lot of homes that are worth at the very least, like, you know, 300, 400,000 yeah, surrounded it's, by. It's, it's the doctors and lawyers and like kind of the Huxtable. It's like where Jesse Jackson's whole family live for folks not familiar with the city. Right. And I think the thing that's funny about the Highlands is like, that's what they want to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what, <laughs> that's what motherfuckers want. Some of it's be, performed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's a lot of, it's boarded up houses over there. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like people. They they calling the police on everybody to come over there so you don't see it. But like if you walking down, like it's people losing their cribs. It's people being displaced from the Jackson Park Highlands. One of my closest friends, practically my sister, Brittany Duncan, like she lived on, I lived on Craigier. She lived like two, three, she's always lived in, on the east side. And so she always used to mess with me, like, oh, you from the other, you from the Highlands. You know, like that's <laughs> uh-huh. like the joke. Uh-huh. But like she also was someone else who was like, you doing good stuff at the school. Like, you know, keep doing that. Like, why why go somewhere else? It's right there. That's the school. You know, so I, I just think it was a combination of, like, folks that I grew up with that live here pushing me around, like, what work are we doing? In addition to, like, this is the school I drive past every day. If I can't get my ass up at 5 o'clock on, you know what I'm saying? If I can't get on the bus mm-hmm. after work and come to Parkside and do something with people I know, you know, I'm not worthy of doing shit else. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Like, yeah, it's got to start there. Yeah, it's complicated because it is simple in, that, in the way that you just said it, but it it also is extraordinary. <laughs> and, you know, even just the notion of like coming off work and, and taking the bus to the, the public entity in your community, it should not be extraordinary. It should be more normalized and common. But like, it really resonates like even on a personal level of like, you know, kind of a family household choice a- assessing that like, oh, the public institutions in our community are not adequate enough to like protect and provide for our family. Like in order to healthily maintain or upper mobility or even, you know, some of these like, you know, class-based notions of success. You know, I similarly, you know, my older sister was in like CPS gifted programs or whatever. And, you know, my mom was very intentional of like, she felt black boys, even in the gifted program, received punishment and just like, persecution in a way that she then said like i won't be in a chicago public school even when like i tried a couple of times like for me there's almost this like alienation but also love for like your neighborhood of like oh i didn't go to foster park but everybody else went to foster park and everybody else that's where i wouldn't play football and like all of that and so like that really informing not just the survivor's guilt but like a indebtedness combined with notions of transformation, organizing, movement building, even these like revolutionary ideas of what it means to be involved with your people. Um, Yeah, that just resonates. But the fact that you didn't stop at yourself or even your own school is really important. So this is where like, I don't know, I want to (laughs) like say a thing that feels weird. So for folks listening, y'all might know Dixon mentioned Grinnell. Daniel and I also went to Grinnell. Well, we were you're 2016 or 20? Yes, 16. So, so we're two years apart. And we weren't like super close, but like always had like a respect and, you know, was cool as we chopped it up. But like, you know, didn't spend like a lot of deep time. But then you came back home and I feel like three or four different times I've messaged you like, yo, like, I'm really proud of you. <laughs> and like part of it, it is, tr- it, it is true. And like I get a lot, a lot of pride. Sometimes I feel weird. I'm like. 
man, this nigga don't even know me. Like, like who am I to be no, like, no, no. <laughs> talking about? <laughs> like, you know, I'm not trying to like, you know, sign you or nothing. But the, the way yeah, in which yeah. I've seen you organize, particularly around these local school councils, the CBA, and then your responses during uprising and like UWF connected adjacent work, you just really use the really impressive communicator that you are in ways that like is needed. Like there is a um, unfortunate lack of the type of investment that you brought into community and the energy that you brought. So I just want to like say again to you and not in a text message, like, man, I'm really proud of the work that you've done and kind of use that into a segue of, you know, I think when it hit a high point is we just were talking to Myra is when I saw you not only doing all the work that you were doing, but then you were like organizing their campaigns to get into South Shore High School and to High Park Academy. Um, And so what was that step from, okay, I'm learning that this entity, this public space of the LSC is like going to be my entry point to now we need to have like a wider, more, more collective approach to this strategy. Yeah, I think it, um, first of all, thank you, bro. I mean, I think no, we give praise, but we don't ever give the opportunity for people to respond. That's okay, gotcha. <laughs> right. There you go. Well, you can respond. I'll connect no, to the answer. Kidding. I think, um, <laughs> thank you, bro. And I think when I think about Grinnell, and we, we don't have to make this the Grinnell reunion podcast. No, we today. can talk about it. But yet. we can. We can, we, we'll go there. <laughs> yeah. But I think, like, um, to your point, some of that stuff was honed at Grinnell in ways I wasn't even thinking about or, like, realized until... Like, I touched back down from school. Um, people are coming here doing stuff at Parkside. It's like, yeah, but, you know, you have a, you you live a, you live across the street from South Shore, right? Like, or you had a class, you know, that you were a part of for years at High Park Academy, right? Um, or you have interest in doing stuff at O'Keefe, right? And so it's just the same type of, like, my mindset has always been, like, the, the first activist I ever met. And again, like, I, I don't think I'm an activist because my big thing is, like, organizing. It's got to be more than just me to do anything mm-hmm. I'm trying to do. If it's just me doing it, I'm not doing it. But, like, uh, it was my mom because my, my mom was a huge education activist, right, at the different schools we was at. And that worked out well to a degree for, like, me and her the kids. But, again, it's like, what about the everybody else? Like, that's, that's just a core part of who I am. And I think it's like that brought itself to the not me. We space. Cause it was like, yeah, we could, we could do a bunch of stuff at Parkside. And like, that's 200 some kids. There's schools down the street that you have connections to. What am I doing to empower you so that you can make Hyde Park look how it should, you know, organizing is not about like exceptionalism. I am a gifted interpersonal person. It just, it, it, I can, Mean motherfuckers, old motherfuckers, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Young people, nice people, white people, black people. I can figure it out and learn how to yeah. talk to people and move folks. But organizing is like, you're not Neo, you're Morpheus. You are trying to bring out the best in every single person and move them to do that thing. For the Not Me We space, like that was definitely the first couple of meetings. Like, yeah, it's not, this is not Dixon and Friends. This is like, how am I empowering y'all? And part of that is like, here's everything I know how to do in LSE. We do, you do. And then we're going to, you know, push until you can do the thing. And so like, that's kind of how it got there. And I think it's been, you know, for High Park, like that work to get Myra on that LSC led to the Cops Out of High Park campaign we did with STOP. And we were one of the few schools in a Black neighborhood that got, you know, Black folks on the LSC to vote a cop out of the school. 
it wasn't what we wanted because, of course, we want both of them out because we don't need cops in schools. But it was better than nothing. So we're like, all right, cool. And now we got this new restorative justice position. So like for me, we, we've, we've seen a success already. It, like it happened. Like we did a cops out campaign. It worked. And that wasn't Dixon being exceptional. That was like Dixon developing and making space for Myra and Ling and for Stewart and for other people to do the thing right now. You know, hopefully we'll get the next one out this year. You said this so like, um, not flippantly, but just in that answer, this like understanding of if I'm doing this without other people, then I'm not doing anything at all, which is not an easy thing for people to come to, especially like when messaging around capital A activism is this like celebration of the individual. And, you know, we think about it even in the format of the show of like, we talk to a different person each week and it's part of what's shifted how we do what we do. But yeah, that kind of just like deep embodiment of the collective what was the journey to that being kind of like a central value for you i always try and think about like what at the end of this process what do we have after you know whether you win or lose what do you have at the end of this process right and in addition to like how do you actually win and the answer to both of those to me always involves like other folks you know what i'm saying like you never actually win by yourself and so for me what's the point you know what i'm saying like you could do it and it could work. You know, we've seen like you could be a one person thing and be popping, but like you don't actually win the thing. Like if I wanted to be a cool individual, I would have went to law school. And not, not that there's anything wrong with folks like being a lawyer or whatever, but like that was a path I definitely could have took and done well at. Right. Like I'm a good communicator. I could have been a star, you know, defense lawyer or a star, whatever. And, and we still need folks while the legal system exists the way it does. And like. We're not going to get to the world where we don't have that unless there's like mass mobilization and organization of people. And so for me, it's like, and it's a constant thing you got to do around like the ego, but it's like, yeah, you always got to be thinking like, how is this work better without me or like part of me? And I think that also comes from like, I don't know. I haven't thought about this before, but I think like, you know, my mom basically raised us with my grandmother and great aunt. And so even when it came to like simple shit, like I had to like, we, it was a numbers game. I'm like, all right, if Nana and our dog want me to do something and my mom don't, like it's two to one, you know, I got, I got some pool there. You know what I'm <laughs> you saying? Were, you like, were building coalition. And man, building, like, you know, coalition in the crib, yeah. in the crib. Yeah. <laughs> trying to, um, try to catch consensus. <laughs> but then also just like, like the whole takes a village to raise a child thing. Like, you know, my mom is amazing. And like, I would not be where I'm at if it wasn't for my grandmother and great aunt, like just what they poured into me and their work that they did. Both teachers, right? Long time, big on the CTU, on the union. My my grandma used to just stop people on the street and just talk to them. And of course, she'd like, you know, pull your pants up, young man, you know, stuff like that. But like really just in community with folks, but I just think always just seeing how like you need other folks to do the thing. And that's just instinct. Yeah, part of it. You're not just a good communicator, but there's a way in which you like relate and stay connected to people. And like it shows through how other people speak about or display you or just like, you know, you you are a friend to many. So I, I hope we can, if we have enough time, get to that. But I want to I transition in the work a little bit because we're talking about how this kind of like almost organic impromptu showing up that you did and then led to 
you know, organizing multiple LSC campaigns and then also like getting into this housing eviction work. And one of those LSCs is High Park Academy, which is across the street from where the new Obama Center is going to be built. And so I kind of want to give you a dealer's choice on how we start this conversation, because, you know, I think there's just like some fundamental nitty gritties of the work and the campaign and the organizing we can cover. But I'm also like deeply invested in a more sticky zoomed out conversation uh just about we can do both we can do okay both. i mean which which one you hop in first i will do real quick so obviously let's get the nuts and bolts yep um i don't know when this drops but we have in an event april 3rd it's probably dropped after that but you know at south shore united methodist church from two to four displacement forum for folks to come out we came out with demand six months ago around um, housing protections in South Shore. So for folks who don't know, right, the Obama Presidential Center, Barack Obama, first black president, one of the most photographed and famous people in the history of, you know, human. I think they, I think, I think they know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, hey, like, man, it's good no, to get backstory, no, but let's just say, people no, might there's this guy. <laughs> yeah, the 6'2 guy with the big ears. Um, I hear you. And... <laughs> They're building a presidential center and it's smack dab in between a middle class mixed neighborhood that used to be all black, a all black neighborhood that's in blight that is turning white on the north side of it. And South Shore, which is a predominantly black neighborhood that's also basically lakefront, right? South Shore. And so the CBA coalition was founded like years ago, 2015 or 14. We got protections in Woodlawn, but South Shore, where I live in from got cut out uh, because of the alder person, Leslie Hairston. We just named, we don't name people today. Yeah, drop that um, down. We got an agreement in Woodlawn in 2020. It wasn't everything folks wanted, but it was something. Um, and it's still a big win. Like probably one of the only, when I think about the city, there's not a ton of housing, I think, organizing wins that we've had in the last like 10 years. And that's one of them. But for South Shore, I think um, we did a lot of work, right? Coming up with demands that were, helpful to all folks, whether you're a homeowner, renter, or condo owner. Um, I'm not going to list them all on here, but I'm sure we'll put them in the- We can put them in the show notes, yeah. Description or whatever. And um, now we're dealing with, you know, just the same work the coalition did in Woodlawn, but I think it's a little new in South Shore because of the pandemic. Um, And also, I think um, instead of a friendly alder person like uh, Alderwoman Taylor, we have a non-friendly alder in Leslie Harrison and I think Greg Mitchell too, although I haven't spoken to Greg Mitchell ever in person, like ever at all, but just, you know, from his politics, you know, we're dealing with a neighborhood that's like dealing with evictions and displacement, but it's not like you're not seeing what you're seeing in Woodlawn, which is like full blocks of white people yet, rich or rich white people, but you know, it's coming. Right. And so even the response from folks of like black folks getting pushed out and rich white folks coming in versus like poor black folks constantly getting evicted in the same radius gets you a different response from the public and stuff. But I think mm-hmm. like we're, you know, we're, the campaign's making progress. That's the sticky part, but let's do the zoom out. Let's do the. Yeah. 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 So, so before we do yes. real quick, can we just, I want to speak to that distinction that you just drew a little bit, because I think that's important. That is valuable. Can you, yeah. can you just highlight what you think the, the difference in how that's perceived between the Woodlawn South Shore conversations? So there's three layers to it. And every time I, I do this thing where I'm like, it's three things and they make fun of me on Not Me We Calls too. I say it's three things, but it's really two. Um, but I think this is actually three. So I think <laughs> abundance. Look at that. Yeah, abundance. Yeah. I give myself space. <laughs> um, 
we're breaking I through think, binaries. Right. I think the first <laughs> one is like a tactic. Mm-hmm. Like that is a thing that the older person or like rapacious fucking real estate, you know what I'm saying? Folks are going to say, which is like the neighborhoods are different. There's not that much vacant land or not the same amount or, you know, the, that's not the center doing that. It's the lake that's doing that. And people want lakefront property or, you know, it's really Pangea. It's not like a systemic thing. It's just like this one bad landlord who just happens to own a shit ton of stuff in the neighborhood. Um, so part of it is like a counter narrative that's like either not entirely true or like yes and, right? So it's like, yes, there's not as much vacant land in South Shore as there is in Woodlawn. And there are still over 100 vacant city-owned lots, right? That could be affordable housing. That could be, you know, all these different things we're trying to get. At the same time, like, yes, there are differences in the makeup of the neighborhood in South Shore. And 77% of the folks in the neighborhood rent. The median income is $26,000. So quick math, how many folks in the neighborhood do we think can afford an $800,000 condo on 78th and South Shore Drive? So it's like, yes, and. And I think the third piece is like my favorite one that we, we see from folks is they're like, well, the issue isn't housing. The issue is violence. And it's like, all right, that doesn't mean that folks aren't getting displaced. It's been the number one eviction neighborhood in the city since like 2016. In the county, I'm sorry. You know, like, no matter where you go in the county, if you want to get evicted, you come to South Shore, right? Or in Austin. <laughs> and it's like housing is directly connected to that. And I, I've seen that firsthand at Parkside. So I think that's like part one. Part two is there are areas of Woodlawn where the blight is more severe and it's closer to the University of Chicago, which has like, University of Chicago has been fucking up all these neighborhoods around it. But like, I think Woodlawn and Washington Park get it the worst. And so I think that's the second piece that I think does affect people's vision of it. Cause there's just, there's like another bad guy that makes the dynamic different. And there's all kind of a relationship between the Obama foundation and, and the, the yeah. Chicago. And it's like a lot more clearer. Yeah. And, but I think, you know, we've been able to really get the message out there that like, this is a, real issue. And this goes to my third part is I think that in Woodlawn, there are folks who are actively like pro gentrification and displacement and like anti poor black people. And I think that just, just because of the makeup of the neighborhood being different, like that narrative had a different, I think it just affected the community differently. And there was a town hall that we, not that we had, but that we ended up as a coalition supporting that happened at Woodlawn. And I was just so fascinated to hear folks like how strongly a very, very small group of folks were against, you know, like affordable housing and folks being able to stay. And they were really buying into this like black capitalism. I know y'all had uh, Jared Ball on, which is like, great. It was just really like this, like uh, this big lie, you know, that folks are just really invested in like willing to, to, to chow down on. And I think because of the proximity to Hyde Park, they see that lie and think it's like possible when it's like a classic story. You know what I'm saying? It's like you, you're chasing this thing. And when you get the thing, it is not what you think it is. Um, so that, I think those are the difference. I think like that dynamic doesn't exist in South Shore. There are definitely some folks, and you know, if you read the articles, they're, they're in there and they're like, you know, they tried to pull me to the side privately, like, Oh, you know, we're fighting for the same thing. And then, and then the article comes out and they're like, you know, well, we just want to make sure homeowners can get their, you know, 
their, their price uptick. And it's like, all right, cool. So we you're not, not for, fighting <laughs> for the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. You are not, you are not about everyone being able to stay, uh, which, <laughs> which is what we're about. Right. Because we know homeowners are suffering. Right. Um, Two, like I said, they're, they're boarded up houses in the Highlands. There are folks who have tax liens on their crib in the Highlands, right? I, I'm helping my mom pay property taxes, right? There are homeowners who live throughout South Shore who are really suffering. You know, I talk to folks on the doors and they're like, oh, you know, I'm for the center. We need to get stuff going in the neighborhood. And, you know, they invite me inside. I'm like, brother, you got a hole in your roof. Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. let's work through that. And we sit and talk and, and folks get there and, I'm not going to say that person's name, but they, they, they're on a coalition and they spoke at city council. You know what I'm saying? Like these are, you know, we're, we're doing the work, but yeah, those are the three differences. Yeah. Okay. You set it up so great of like me just trying to check myself of there's the conversation about the work. And then I think there's the conversation about the big lie and obviously they touch each other, but to me, they feel a little different so that, you know, don't want to move past the like real material importance of the or of, of door knocking of ordinances of protecting people the hundreds or the thousands of people that are going to be directly affected in like a material way in six months eight months 18 months that's like measurable uh but but for me this campaign from its beginning and i've always tried to like talk with folks with stop like at the side when i can i think it's an emblem of a bigger conversation i think you framing it as the big lie is really important and so, again, I understand the work and you got to like meet people where they are and it's about moving people and it's not, you know, about being idealistic or ideologues. But I think this is the biggest conversation of black elitism, black capitalism, neoliberalism, hero worship. Uh, and, you know, you said the most photographed person i think for many people especially black people especially black people in chicago barack obama is the most revered human alive right like if somebody were to ask you like who is the best person in the world you would get a lot of black people obama would be in the top five guaranteed right and i think that that is a big lie right like i think i I wonder for you as an organizer how much space do you get because i know you have more holistic politics and understandings of systems to actually talk about the harm the injury the fact that someone we herald as a as a hero is antagonistic one to just community organizing no matter what it is uh but two specifically to his like ego trip of a of an entity that's also going to be the first private presidential library of any presidential library in the country um and the, you know, the way in which kind of like Jeanette kind of came on the stage of like him really like gaslighting in an offensive, like hurtful, I get emotional way of just like the disillusionment I've had to have that Obama has represented around neoliberal politics and the black elite. Um, and so it has felt like y'all have been in a bind of in order to move the material work, you kind of have to soften, I think, an honest analysis of what's happening because it would be like talking about people's pastor, you know, and, and like has a deeper emotional impact for folks and like a cultural representation. And so whenever we talk about Obama on the show, I get like really emotional and worked up. <laughs> and so I'm trying not to do that now and like give it back to you to like talk through the nuance of this nigga's on bullshit, <laughs> like at a very basic level. And it is so effective that you almost can't even name it. Like you have to like talk around it or talk to, about the city. And I think like if there was any other person whose name was on a building like that, we would see them as a target, as an antagonist. And he, I think, in a way that like allows the myth of neoliberalism to expand in ways that are going to have really harmful impact, gets to skate by in a way that's not just like, oh, that's just how it is. Like, I feel it's really consequential. 
So I'll say two things, actual two things. One, we don't deal with, I think something that Woodlawn dealt with was like, oh, y'all trying to stop the sender. Like most folks kind of understand that's not, by most, I mean all, everyone at their core, even the folks lying, know that that's not what we're trying to do. We talk about how if for whatever reason they were to stop building the center right now, like you lifted it up out the earth and, you know, like, you know, put it wherever, put all the trees back, laid, laid the track back just how it was. The damage would already be done because of the effect that it's already had and will continue to have on the neighborhood. And so I think like there is a critique that which I think you're trying to get me to talk about, but I, I, I'm going to flip it because I think like. I think there are projects that don't have his name on it or don't have the caliber of name that he is on it that have been used to do the same type of thing to communities in Chicago and just like communities around the country, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just always pushed, like, no matter how big the individual is in the system, like, it is still structural. Because, like, George Lucas tried to do the museum on... um, where was it at? It was supposed to be taking parkland. It land. wasn't far, right? Yeah. yeah it, was, it, was, it, was, it was, I think it was North. You know, they're trying to do this. They were trying to do the Chicago casino at Michael Reese, right? They tore down public housing and have replaced it with, and they, I, I drove by the Icky. I'll tell a story at the end about this girl who lives at the Icky's I tried to talk to in like seventh grade. <laughs> but <laughs> so that I, I have a deep, re, 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 I, like, I remember. You've never, like, never forgotten the Icky's. That'll do no, that. No, I, I have not. Because um, I didn't go up there to see it. Because it was like 40 dudes outside. I'm like, I'm good. I can't eat. I was scary. I ain't going to lie to you. Um, I got back on the bus. You were smart. That's what you were. Yeah. That's what you Lied and told my mom I went to track practice. I did not. I was trying to see shorty. You were um, running, though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you got your steps. You in worked that on day. your squares. Yeah, <laughs> I had this. You know, it's crazy. If I had the phone, I would have called her down. Like, yo, come, you know, come escort me up. Type of thing. I I had the Virgin Mobile at the time. <laughs> um, That's why you were there. <laughs> <laughs> that type of mobile, <laughs> man. Uh, but but seriously, but I think like that it's the structural piece. So it's like even when it's not connected to Barack, you know, President Obama, former President Obama. And this is the story. It's like our community had, has had nothing. The answer is never we haven't had nothing because of that elected official or because of those business owners or because of like the city or capitalism. It's always been because of this Black entity. And so what they do is they use any project development thing that removes this Black entity and also gives you or alludes that you will get this thing that you want. Especially a black poor entity for like yep. folks listening, right? Like black, we call them black capitalists or whatever, you know, the black elite like has been, even if they don't name it as such, like high perpetuators of this tendency that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like that's the thing, because like the center could be gone. That doesn't stop that they're building that that eight hundred thousand dollar condo on 78th and South Shore Drive. Mm-hmm. You know, not me. We did an event at the condo. We talked to folks living around that building about it, got their input, survey like, hey, can you afford to live here? No one could. Surprise. And the response from the person who owns that building is the paper was like, well, I'm black and this is this is the American dream. And my, my grandfather was a sharecropper. She believes the big lie. Like she cannot even wrap her mind around it. And now that that's open the seal, right? Like that is how people are looking at the neighborhood. 
Like they're looking at it like, oh shit, you telling me it's all these apartment buildings by the lake in Chicago? You know, we're the only major city that's got poor people living on the lake. Yeah, that that one slipped through the cracks. They their racism got got it. Yeah, <laughs> the racism was too good. They was like, we can't even. It's like, man, some money down there, but oh, I don't even get my hands dirty with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even want to touch it. It's not even worth it. Um, but now it is because, like, again, the coalition's belief and our big thing is like, we want protections around the center. We've never wanted to stop the center. That's not been the coalition's goal. Mm-hmm. It's literally been community benefits agreement, which is yep, a, since the beginning, a right. small ask Again, since the beginning, <laughs> which and, upsets me more. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, like to the right, point yeah. I'm incinged of like, it's not yeah. like it, you know, doing direct actions or like stopping construction, asking for very basic, like just human decency, dignity agreements. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's been direct actions, but always around, like you said, the community benefits never around stopping. Yeah, not the like, right, right. but it's not like y'all blowing up tractors is what, you know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. We definitely held up the street 57th and uh, inner drive. Right. And we do a ton of direct actions that, you know, Rom and the mayor uh, life. But, and I think there's a strong critique there around, you know, the former president and his politics around blackness and black people, there's the Freddie Gray stuff. There's giving money to stuff in Detroit around gentrification for Dan Gilbert. There is, I mean, there's a plethora of things you Plus can look at. The support of the governor for during Flint, the Flint water crisis and gaslighting organizers there. You know, Ron Emanuel closed 50 schools and got an endorsement from Barack Obama, right? Mm-hmm. Opposing the, the push for Medicare for all. He's probably one of the, the staunchest impediments to that moving in the Democratic Party because similar to this, it would hurt his legacy. And I think like it's never about him or the, you know, him the figure or him the man, because I think there are so many different players in the city, in the state, county, whatever, that are complicit or a part of the issue, which is the housing. And no individual is like capitalism. You know what I'm saying? Like no individual is white supremacy, no matter how like revered how much benefit they get from it because of the systemic thing. And so for me, like, this is not, you know, because I'm sure they're going to chop this up and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I don't want to get you in trouble. So that's no, what no, I'm you, trying to be you know, No, no, you're not going to get me in trouble. We also don't get a like, lot of chop ups. That's not a common thing. <laughs> on our podcast. If they listen this far, the chop up at 46 minutes in is rare. <laughs> We always bury the Obama critique at the end. Yeah, you, know? you, you didn't see the Cranes interview they did on me. But, um, uh, mm-hmm. It's all good. But I'll say all this to say that, you know, no individual actually has that much power. And no individual should be viewed like they have that much power. That right. that I agree with. And some of it is like emotional. I think the the push I'll have to that, though, is I think he is unique like you know on like a century level in terms of consciousness though and so in terms of the people that we do need to organize and mobilize this goes back to almost like some of the booker t washington shit like it's not he's not just a guy is is the thing or it's not just about him as an individual i think his power and his name and his family name there was some like oligarchy to it and i think if he says defund the police is ridiculous and let's not listen to it then Clyborne can say it, then Joe Biden can say it, then every mayor and senator can say it, and Cory Booker can say it. And then a popular base can be like, oh man, no, we do need, matter of fact, we need more spending on police because Barack Obama said it. It's not just, I don't like him, 
I think he has a unique outpaced unseen negative impact on the transformative consciousness of our people and the people that we need that it feels like there's not room for us to even name or say that and so yeah that, that that's kind of where i leave it but uh, but what you said is really poised wise and like better organizing than what i'm offering so and it's like who stands to benefit the most from that critique being deflected right because he will benefit in whatever way but like the people who have been waiting for those houses to go up in values so that they can speculate and flip them that's that's not only his name. There's a lot of people whose names we don't know unless you do the type of movement work that Dixon's doing. I'm finding discussing it, because especially because it's y'all. So it's like, you know, we go get into it. And I said, I'm loosening up. Everything you're saying, like, there's definitely hero worship and all that stuff, oligarchical things that we do with every president, right? But especially the first Black one. And every single person that I've organized in their building or got them a lawyer or worked with them on eviction stuff, no one has said, well, at least the center will be here. You know? <laughs> like no one, every single person has been like, every single person has yeah. been like, as soon as I'm out of this crisis, I'm coming to the CBA meeting. This is not fair. Mm. And we don't have to be against the thing to get protections to stop it from happening. Right. So I think that's one, like, all, like at, at its core, like none of that stuff, you know, the smile is great beautiful smart daughters michelle's beautiful all that stuff is there and like at the end of the day when motherfuckers see that eviction notice you know what i'm saying it don't matter right um it's not enough to ignore their material conditions and how they're faced with it and i think the second piece is that i actually i actually disagree with you on the point of if you know if he were to say well you know we should defund the police that don't change the system because everyone else is going to say, nah, we need to fund them because that is. What no, no, I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying what actually happened was when defund was at its most popular, he created the cover then for the like Kente cloth wearing kneeling Democrats to then like counteract and invalidate. This goes to my point about like no individual actually has that much power. Like it doesn't have to be him. Like they have so many people in, in positions and systems that can do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think what I hear you saying is like, even if he wasn't alive, the system would be doing these things. So yeah, it's it not would, even it like him because Cory Booker get bumped up, you know, someone yeah. else would, you know, and they yeah, would yeah, still yeah. hit, hit the piece. Um, just like I hope, right. That is the point of the organizing stuff. So that it's not, again, not me, we, right. Like if <laughs> Dixon is not around, people in the group are going to be like, but nah, we supposed to meet at Sunday. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, yeah. why you ain't show up Sunday? We passed out. You know, we was at the school giving out food and you weren't there. You know, what's going on? You know, you good? I right, see you next Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Like that is the purpose. It's got to be next man up. And so I think like, you know, that's my thing. But yeah, I, you, you know, we got to, we're focused on getting people protected because that's the most important thing. You know, I, Yeah, I agree. I love that moment of like, they can say representation is that important. And then when the notice shows up, like who the fuck cares? Like I need a place to live. Like there's, you can't represent your way out of losing your home. <laughs> like none no- of that, not losing your home, not your school sucking. And then I think the more you talk to people and the more you're in relation to them, the circle of that gets bigger. And that's when the big lie doesn't work, no matter what face you put on it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Your standards and the level changes. Cause you know, what's possible. Like we, my whole thing is like, I do not organize from a place of fear, right? Like I am not scared of 
being harmed as an individual, either in the public sphere or like, like actually like physically harmed. And I am not scared of what could happen if we were not doing this work, but we are doing the work. So it's like, there is greater and greater hope and the bar lifts every single time, right? Like organizing the first tenant union idea was awesome. It was nine people in the building. We got eight people in the tenant union. We did the thing. We, you know, got the landlord to keep the rent low for like two years. And then he said, you know, he'll bump it. And it's like, great. Now the standard changed because I literally was walking down the street and I hadn't talked to these folks in maybe like six months. And one of the folks stopped me and they're like, oh, you know, I, I live in a different building. They ended up moving out. I live in a different building now. And they were telling me about some issues they had. And I'm like, man, you know, well, you know, let's let's connect and let's get back popping. She's like, no, nah, we already we 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 got a meeting. Ooh, we set wow. our stuff up. You know what I'm saying? We set oh, our stuff up wow. and we got it fixed. They picked the trash up now. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's <laughs> oh, I love it. Wow. That's the the, the level is raised yeah. for that person for, yeah. for Lindsay forevermore. Like it's never gonna happen again. You know, we obviously have many more things to talk about. Um but I'm really glad that we got to to dig into some of this and just get a sense of how also you think about these things that like how and why that we got to feels really important. Um, yeah. and, 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 and just again, I just want to thank you again, brother, for, for the work you're doing for, for our communities and, and our city and just, you know, there's a valuable example in what you're contributing and also like you're making real impact in people's lives and have, you know, help build up and expand our movements. And so I'm very grateful. I'm also proud, but again, I feel embarrassed of like that feels patronizing, <laughs> <laughs> but, it's not, but it's, it's, it's true. Like to, to see, you know, to see you be this like really charming weirdo from, <laughs> from like your first year in into this, like, you know, just this amazing uh, builder of community. And I say that with like the most love. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. As a, as a team, the charming weirdos here. Yeah, yeah exactly. to see you, to see what you're growing into uh, is, 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 it gives me pride. So thank you, man, for your work, for real. Of course. Thanks for having me, man. We're we going to do part two. We, we'll do a part two. Definitely. Yeah. I'm down. Definitely. And, and, more to dig and into. off my conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the short term, how can folks find you, uh, the we, the work, and the ways you want to be found? Got you. So you can. I'm on. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Dixon Romeo. For my day job stuff, definitely go to United Working Families Instagram or Twitter for Not Me We stuff. You know, go to Not Me We all lowercase underscore on Instagram. That's all we got. Nothing else. And then for you know for the CBA Coalition, it's Obama CBA on Instagram, Twitter. Um, you know, we have a website, ObamaCBA.org. You can uh, go in there and talk, or if you do the slat, I think we got it broken up like Woodlawn, South Shore on the on the header, so you can see, you know, what's going on and updates. But yeah, or you, you know, you can come to South Shore. We have Parkside the last Saturday of every month. We give out food, do a mutual, not mutually. I'm sorry, we survival programs. We've been, I've been told hey. to. We don't call uh, it that no that. more. So <laughs> yeah, that. shout out to shout out to Showtime Shauna. She pushed us on changing that. So yeah, it's called Feed the Babies, but it's a survival program and we do COVID testing and might start doing a vaccine. So yeah, just that's how you find me. We're at Ergo Radio. I'm at Ergo Kiss. I'm at Dama underscore AF. And we will be back on the line some point soon, reshaping the culture of our city and beyond for the more liberatory and creative. Much love to the people. Peace. Peace, peace.